Welcome to the Fantasy Inferno, a redraft fantasy football show on the Roto Heat Network. This show airs live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for catching up here. Now here are your hosts, Cody Woodman and myself, Shane Barrett. Enjoy. What's up, YouTube? Welcome back to your weekly redraft fantasy inferno on the Roto Heat YouTube channel. Obviously, with me as always, we got Shane Barrett, the guy. What's happening, Shane? How you doing? What's up, man? I am good. Wired and tired. I rock and roll though. One I'm the, always happy to chat football though. One of those weeks. So yeah, let's get into it. We got a very special guest uh, this week. Super happy to have you on the show, Sam. I forgot to ask you how to say your last name in uh, the pre-show there. Is, how do you say your last name, Sam? It's Chowdhury. Chowdhury. Okay, I was going to say Chowdhury itself. Close. Yeah. So yeah, super happy to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Tell the people who you are, where you're from, and where they can find your stuff. Yeah, Cody said, I'm Sam. I work at FTN. You can find all my content at FTN. I do the fantasy side, daily fantasy. And then my Twitter is down below. It's SC underscore FFB. Quality, quality Twitter follow. I can vouch for that. We've been connected, chatting a little bit here and there on Twitter for the past, I don't know, couple of years, something like that. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming on. Today, we're going to be talking about not necessarily buy, hold, sell, like the title says, but what do we do about these players? There's a bunch of guys that are underachieving, a lot of quarterbacks, obviously some wide receivers and things like that. What are we to do with some of these guys? Do we sell them? Do we hold? Do we trade? Do we cut them? So we're going to get into that. It's obviously super important with bye week starting this week is when things get important where you have to make those tough decisions and you have to have an honest conversation with yourself about your roster and how it looks and uh, yeah, potentially make some tough decisions. So let's jump right into it. We don't waste too much time because I'm sure we'll have a ton of questions to answer at the end of the show. Stick around to the end of the show to have your questions answered by the three of us. Let's start out at the quarterback position. Let's go with let's go with Matt Stafford first before right. the other guy. Go ahead, uh, Shane. What do you think about Matt Stafford? What are you doing? What are you thinking about the Rams quarterback? Man, I actually have him in a league. And it's a one QB league, and I legitimately don't know what to do. It's my work league, so I got a little lucky. And somebody dropped Dak Prescott, so I went and picked him up. So I'm honestly holding on to him in that league until Dak comes back. If he's your only option at quarterback, I would not fault you if you were looking for a streaming option and kind of playing matchups with those streaming options in Stafford because he's just not looked good. Now, I think what you do have to look forward to is the rest of the team getting healthy. So like... Van Jefferson's hurt. Obviously, Cam Akers had the Achilles, came back from it probably too early, if you ask me. But at, and then Kyron Williams is on IR. There's just a couple of pieces missing here or there. And this offensive line will hopefully figure it out at some point. Who knows? That I think long term for the rest of the season, you'll be okay. But there may be some games where you're like, what is going on? And you probably should sit him. Yeah, like you said, that offensive line should be getting healthy as well. I'm going to mention that later on in the show, but it should be getting more and more healthy as the season goes on. And what was the other thing I was going to say there? Oh yeah, Kyron Williams. You've been pounding the table for Kyron Williams. I can't wait till you get disappointed by him. We'll talk about that at a later date. Sam, what are you thinking about uh, Matt Stafford? What are you doing with him? 
Yeah, I think at this point, like what Shane said, you're pretty much better off just you can view Stafford as a streaming option, but you probably feel a lot more comfortable with the guys on the waiver. Looking through, we still have Geno Smith on the waiver. You can pick up Geno Smith and he could be your starter for the rest of the season. So if you have Stafford on your team, that's an easy one for one swap and ride out Geno Smith so you can. And then if he doesn't work out, maybe Stafford's on the waiver wire, you can pick him up. But yeah, he shouldn't be viewed as anything more than a streamable quarterback. And even if that, I think this is a big test. Like they have had some tough matchups. You know, Dallas's defensive line was all over him last week. And their line hasn't been able to hold up. But yeah, I don't think he's really any different than the waiver guys. Jared Goff, he's on bye right now. But if you want to play Stafford this week and you want to go back to Goff when he gets back, I'm perfectly okay with that. But I don't think you should hold on to any pre-draft priors with Stafford. Feel free to cut him loose. Yeah, I agree. It just is what it is at this point. Matt Stafford, he led the league in interceptions last year. He's leading the league in interceptions so far this year. The ratio is five touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah, even with that offensive line getting more and more healthy and hopefully things get figured out probably after the bye, they have the train wreck of the Carolina Panthers this week. In Carolina, that bodes well for them, but realistically, I think he's just, it is what it is. And it's time to either cut bait. I don't think anyone's going to buy him. So there's no point in saying sell Matt Stafford. So it's either cut him or start him in a pinch. If you have to buy by week replacement, like you said, Sam. Yeah, I think he's a streaming option at best. And there's probably some guys on the waiver wire that you might feel more comfortable about starting. If Geno Smith is on your waiver wire right now, he's a top 10 in a lot of formats in formats I was looking at. He's a top 10 quarterback. So, you know, it is what it is. Who cares what the guy's name is as long as he's putting up points for you. So there you go. We'll leave Matt Stafford there and move on to quarterback number two, Russell Wilson. It's no one, you can't have a show like this and not talk about Russell Wilson. Realistically, he's pretty much on everybody's tongue every week. So let's talk about him again. Like I said, Geno Smith, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are all top 10 quarterbacks this year. And this goes for Matt Stafford as well. If you don't have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter beyond that. It really doesn't matter this year. Herbert? Not even Herbert. Yeah, you could. Hopefully by the end of the year, you should be able to throw Herbert in that conversation. But right this second, we're almost a third of the way through the season. No, I... And, And those are the only four guys that really matter at quarterback right now. Again, yes, probably Herbert. You're certainly not trading away Herbert, but that's just the reality as it sits right now. He had the PRP injection in his throwing shoulder, and then Garrett Bowles is starting left tackles out for the season. That that whole team's getting bit by the injury bug right now. Javante Williams, Josie Jewell just got hurt. Ronald Darby, that whole team, and it's it's a slippery slope once injuries start. In my opinion, you see it a lot. You see it with the Chargers almost every season, and you see it a lot when it's when a guy goes down and another guy goes down. It just seems like there's something in the water, and right now that looks like there's something in the water in Denver. And yeah, I think it's just like Matt Stafford. I don't think you can really trust Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson at this point. But Sam, what are you thinking about Russell Wilson? Are you holding on to him? Do you have him and a one tier break above Matt Stafford at this point, or what are you thinking? Yeah, I think, I mean, his scoring has been great, but I guess that uh, you had to give him the edge with Matthew Stafford just because he has been somewhat viable, but compared to pre-draft expectations, it's not what you thought before. 
It sucks what happened with his shoulder. I think it is a real thing, but he looked pretty good in that Raiders game. He was actually, Nathaniel Hackett talked about him rushing and moving around the pocket more. And you saw that in the Raiders game. I think he had 29 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown through for two touchdown passes. It looked optimistic for him in that game. And then I think he what he came down awkwardly. At, and if you guys saw the game, you saw wincing at his shoulder. And I guess that's what, what hindered him in the next game. I would say he's probably another tier with Stafford. And you probably, well, I would still make the swap to Geno Smith one for one if he is on your waiver wire. But if you have Wilson, you might just have to ride it out and just lower your expectations for him for the rest of the season. But that's assuming that he makes a full recovery from the shoulder. He's just another one of those middling quarterbacks where you just got to ride it out or I guess sell low. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not real optimistic about the whole Broncos team, let alone Russell Wilson right now. Yeah, I mean, I was personally pretty low not particularly on Russell Wilson. I've always been high on Russell Wilson, but I was low on the wide receivers in in Denver. So I was pretty off the Broncos in general in best ball. Sam, we play a lot of best ball together. We've had a few drafts together and I was super, super low on the Denver wide receivers at their cost. They were like 37, right around 37 ADP each. And to me, that was just way too high, which in best ball leads to if you're not getting the top wide receiver, you're probably not drafting the quarterback to go along with it. So I just didn't have a lot of exposure to Russell Wilson and it worked out for me. Not exactly like I planned on this happening or saw it happening, but I think the coaching staff is very much part of the blame here with this. It's a very novice staff, not a lot of experience in that room. I think they, a lot of times you see a coach bring in a vet where Wade Phillips came in with, was it Staley? I think it's stuff like that you see all the time where it's a rookie head coach and he'll bring in a very established offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, a guy that's been a head coach in the NFL previously, that sort of a thing. And I'm going to touch on this again later in the show. But people always ask about, and Shane, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I'll get to you in a second. But all right. <laughs> people, always, people always ask, like, why does the NFL just keep recycling coaches? Why are they hiring this guy? He had a Shawnee failed. He, did, he, did, he didn't work out there. So why is it? It's pretty clear that there's only a certain amount. There's a finite amount of NFL caliber coaches out there. And we see that with college coaches coming in. Matt Rule. Thank Urban you. Meyer. <laughs> Most recently, like not having success. And it's just pretty obvious that these it's a different game. You can't just get a college guy to come in and he's going to change the world and win at the cal- the consistency that he did in college. It's not the same. Grown men versus college kids are not the same. It's literally apples and oranges. So that's another something I'm going to touch on later in the show as well. But I think that was a huge miss by Nathaniel Hackett when he was hiring out his staff. He didn't hire anyone with really any experience. And I think we're with that higher hiring he did for the guy to watch the clock for him. We're clearly seeing that come to fruition here. Shane, sorry, go ahead. What do you think about Russell Wilson? No, you're good. I uh, I was raising my hand like a little boy in school to bring up Matt Rule, talking about how there's only a handful of NFL coaches that can actually get the job done. And that's why they keep recycling. Because if you bring in new blood, specifically from the college level, you're going to see it fail miserably the greatest college coach of all time didn't even succeed in the nfl and nick saban so i think that right there shows you the difference between the two the other thing that i wanted to mention is i am actually fine with russell wilson rest of season he's got 11 days between his last game and his next game which is monday night against the chargers so that should give him time to heal 
And then they've actually got a really easy strength of schedule for the rest of the season when it comes to fantasy production. So I am holding on to Russell Wilson and thinking that the ship will ride itself and turn around. Yeah, like Sam said too, you might have to just ride it out, right? Yes. Yeah. You might have drafted him too high that you can't exactly stomach dropping him. And if you, especially if you're in a league where Geno Smith, Jared Goff, guys like that have been plucked off the waiver wire and you're just late to the dance. Can you hear Sam or what's going on? You all right down there, Sam? Can you hear? So, yeah, I don't know why my mic just cut out. Sorry, what was that? I was just saying, if you're late to the dance with getting guys like Geno Smith and Jared Goff, and you, and you drafted Russell Wilson in the fifth, sixth round, potentially, you're a big believer in him, then you might have to just Let eat, the, yeah. eat the dude and take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you said, I think he's going to be like Geno Smith. That's an easy swap. But if he's not there, he's a lot better than the other guys left on the waiver. Especially in these leagues when guys are holding two quarterbacks too, you might not even have a choice. But on that note, can we get Denver off of the prime time? Like yeah. how many prime time? <laughs> how many prime time games are we gonna see with these well, Broncos? I think they have two. When do when do the when do they start flexing? The schedule? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Because they don't change anything up until I think it's like week six or seven, eight, something like that, and then they'll start flexing out the doo-doo games. So unless it's Thursday, everybody plays once on Thursday. Yeah, but yeah, but they already did. So yeah, they got theirs. I hope we're done. I hope we're done. I'll say that. I'll agree with that for sure. I'm sick of watching that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So let's move to let's move to the running back position. We'll start it off with Ezekiel Elliott, a guy that I've always pounded the table for, a guy that I like. But Sam, what are you thinking about Zeke? What are you doing? Are you buying, holding, you selling them? What are you doing? I think at this point, all you can really do is hold. I personally wasn't really into Zeke, but I mean, you were paying what a third, fourth round draft pick for him. And it's encouraging. He out-touches Paul more than double every game, but it's clear as day on the field who the better player is. He just doesn't care. And I mean, I guess they shouldn't. They're 4-0 with Cooper Rush. And we can talk about how much better Pollard looks, how much more explosive he is. I mean, he had eight carries compared to Zeke's, I think it was 22 last game, but had more yards than him. Whatever they're doing, it's working. And Zeke's not really being used in the passing game. And I think that is going to improve when Dak gets back. But I think no one's going to give you anything for Zeke. I have teams that are struggling to find any running back production. I'd be fine rolling out Zeke. You know, you you know what you're getting from him. He had a tough matchup against the Rams. I think he's fine. As long as you don't view him as a top 20 running back, just understand that he gives you somewhat of a floor, maybe the ceilings cap. But I think he will bounce back when Dak gets back, at least in the scoring department too, and hopefully more in the receiving game. But yeah, I don't think you should trade him. He's probably at his floor right now, but just ride it out. And I think his fantasy production will improve with Dak. So. Shane, what do you think about Zeke? That is exactly what I wanted to say, Sam. And I'll back you up with some numbers. I won't go too far into the weeds on this because there's not a comparable sample size. But yards per carry with Dak Prescott for Zeke Elliott are 4.5. Without are 3.8. He has... 55 rushing touchdowns. Obviously, that comes from a volume standpoint, but only two without Dak in 15 games and only one reception touchdown without Dak in those 15 games. His yards per game in the receiving game dropped from 26.3 to 14.5, and his targets per game without Dak are only about 2.4. So I think 
at a very minimum with Dak coming back, his floor will rise. And he's always, at least for the last couple of years, he's always been a floor player to me anyway, but his floor is relatively high. So hopefully you drafted well then to complement that because once you get Zeke back where Zeke should be, then your team should be fine. So I'm holding, maybe buying if you can, but definitely holding. Yeah, I'm holding and buying low potentially. I think you're right with that floor. He's always been a bit of a floor play. You should hope to get around 10 points. And like Sam was saying, and I said, I think I mentioned this last week, points at a bit of a premium at the running backs position right this second. It's tough to find. It's honestly tough to find a consistent 10 points a week. If you're in deeper leagues, if you're in a deep, good 12-man league or a 14-16-man league, then yeah, it's tough to find that consistency. I personally think that they have a great thing going with their backfield, the thunder and lightning backfield that they have with Zeke being the thunder. Obviously, Pollard's the lightning with that eight carries, 86 yards and a touchdown. The passing game work that he gets. I'm just banking on more rushing touchdowns coming Zeke's way. That's really what's holding him back right now from being, you know, potentially probably a top 20 running back and being a consistent RB2 is he's just got to chip in a couple more touchdowns. And I think that'll come. At least I hope that'll come. That's what I'm holding for. And that's what I'm potentially buying a little low on. I think that offensive line is going to stabilize a little bit. Tyler Smith has been improving and he will continue to improve as the season goes on. If Jason Peters can stabilize the left the left guard spot there and if Zach Martin stays healthy, they can. he should, once Dak comes back, like I said, he should be able to chip in more rushing touchdowns and bring up that floor a little bit, as well as the ceiling. I think it, those would go hand in hand, obviously, with more scoring. So we'll see what happens. It's still Zeke and he's still getting over 17 touches a game. So... You got to either ride it out, hold, or buy, in my opinion. Let's move to another Ram, Cam Akers. Shane, what are you thinking about Cam Akers? What are you doing with them? I think this kind of goes back to what I said about Stafford. They've got an easy rest of the season. I think that offensive line will continue to get healthy like we talked about, but I also think he will get healthier. And ultimately, McVeigh does, despite what I think, McVeigh will like to use a lead back and if Akers is healthy, I think he will be that option unless I'm right on Kyron Williams and he comes and proves people wrong. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. But yeah, I'm holding. There's no way I'm selling on him right now. Hell, he might be available on waivers for you. I've seen him dropped in a couple leagues, so you may be able to go pick him up, but... Wow, that would be... I'd be picking him up. Sam, yeah. Sam what are you doing with Cam Akers? Man, I don't even know really what to do with Cam Akers. It's hard to figure out because... You know, like Shane said, McVeigh looks like he wants to make Cam Akers his lead back. He wants him to be this workhorse that he drafted, but he's just not doing anything. The problem that I'm having is if Darrell Henderson, if he were to go down and Akers was the only guy in the backfield, what can really improve for him? He's, I mean, he's getting the volume. He's averaging three yards a carry. The Rams offense, first off, isn't good. So he's not going to get touchdowns. Just, I don't even know what to call him because he is the lead back, but he feels like a handcuff because he's still splitting that backfield. There's just really no stealing to him. And I have some pretty deep leaks. I wouldn't say you'd drop Akers, but I guess what I'm struggling to figure out is how does it get better for Akers? You can talk yourself into maybe he's not healthy. Maybe he'll look better after their bye when the team gets together. But I can't confidently say that. And Henderson, he still is past catching back too. So even the last game, Henderson didn't get a single carry, but he's still the guy they use in the receiving game. 
Acres had one target, didn't have anything in the box score, but yeah, if you have, if you're relying on Acres, you should be pretty concerned because I really don't know how it's going to get better for him. Yeah, look, Sam, I agree with you. I am not, I've never been an Acres guy. I was just trying to do something different and say something nice about him, but I agree with you. I don't see how this gets better. And I got to be the guy then. I like Cam Acres. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy left holding the bag of magic beans. I tell <laughs> I know it. And then I, you realize they're pinto beans. I might believe in him kind of to a fault. I just think that I'm not going to be the guy that sells low on Cam Akers at this point. You probably drafted him third, fourth round. I'm not just, and what can you get for him? So I'm yeah. certainly holding. And if someone is wanting to potentially drop him or trade him for nothing, a bag of magic beans, I'll make that trade. I'll take Cam Akers and take a shot on the offensive line getting healthy and the team getting right after their buy. They play, like I said, they play the, the Carolina Panthers that are a hot mess right now, and then they have their buy. So they're, the Carolina Panthers' run D is certainly nothing to write home about. So he should have a reason. If he can get that 12-carry, 61-yard touchdown game back that he had a couple weeks ago, if he can do that, head into the buy. Brian Allen comes back. David Andrews comes back to shore up the interior of that line. Because Joe Noteboom and Rob Havenstein have been pretty good as, as tackles for that team. So they can shore up the interior of that line and get their center back. That's been a big loss for them. I can, I, that's the narrative that I'm, that's what I'm selling myself. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, maybe I've convinced you guys to at least think he could be something. And again, I'm probably going to be the guy that's just left holding. Cam Akers, because we've talked about this before, Shane. Realistically, Cam Akers has never done it. Like he's yeah. never done it. We haven't seen it. This is his first year. And that's, that's just flat. Reality. That's just like reality. Yeah. yeah. Splash plays, big games, whatever, big things, but we haven't heard consistency game, from him. Yep. And this is three seasons. At some point, he <laughs> got a call of what it is. And I don't know. I'm just not ready to do that yet. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Cam Akers. But I would be holding. And if someone wants to basically give away, I'll take them off your hands in a kind of buy or trade setting. Let's move to the Washington backfield. We're talking about Antonio Gibson. I'm going to be selling Antonio Gibson. I've never liked Gibson as a running back. I've never been high on him. Never liked him. Be Obviously, Brian Robinson just came back last week. Oh, carried him. Nine to three. McKissick is still the preferred option in the passing game for that team. And the, the regime drafted Brian Robinson and very purposefully brought back J.D. McKissick. They would not let him go to Buffalo. So those two running backs clearly have uh, the eye and the love of the coaching staff here. And the odd man out is Antonio Gibson. He was returning punts or, sorry, returning kicks in the preseason. That's ridiculous. When do you ever see that from a guy who's an NFL running back, a starting NFL running back? That just doesn't happen unless they're a rookie and they haven't quite made it yet. So the offensive line that's pretty suspect in Washington, it needs a runner that falls forward and goes downhill, a downhill runner that goes falls forward. And that's not Antonio Gibson. That's Brian Robbins. And I think we're going to see that that kind of come to fruition this week against Chicago tomorrow night. I think Brian Robinson has 50 plus yards and a touchdown. And I think that uh, people are going to very quickly forget about Antonio Gibson. So your window to trade is about 24 hours. A little less. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think, uh, yeah, I think that window is closed, man. <laughs> it might be, right? Like 24 hours or less to throw him into a trade, right? Go ahead, Sam. What do you think about Antonio Gibson? 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, like when you're doing season long rankings, you're probably ranking him third in that backfield. So, you know, he's third in his own backfield because you got JD McKissick with, especially in PPR format, he gives you that safe pass catching floor. For some reason, this coaching staff won't use a converted wide receiver to running back in the pass game at all. And all preseason long, we knew this was, they drafted Brian Robinson to be the guy. And it's not that they just took away the job from Gibson. In the preseason, he did start the game. He had the same issues as last season. He fumbled. And he's not even efficient on yards for carry at this point this season. So they want him to be a two-down runner, but he's not doing that. They wanted Brian Robinson to be the guy. And the first game he gets back from being shot, he already out-touches Gibson. From here on out, you start to rank with the third guy in the backfield. And it's only going to get worse throughout the season. He's probably going to have a bigger role in special teams. And even then, you can prioritize him as a handcuff. But he he really needs two guys to get injured to really be a workhorse running back. And it's hard to see that happening. And again, the commanders aren't a good offense to begin with. Yeah, if you can sell him, go ahead. But other than that, he just, he's just a handcuff. Yeah, he's that three-man backfield. So. He's a throw-in guy, I think, at this point. And uh, like you saying, he he didn't. I said this a few weeks ago too, Shane. Like he didn't lose the job to Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson won the job from him. Yeah, that's what happened. He came in and took the guy's job straight up. That's what happened. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a tough road to see Antonio Gibson get touches again at the NFL level. So we'll see. We'll see how that all shakes out. I'm a huge Brian Robinson believer and truther, so that might hurt. Gibson's value for me a little bit, but Shane, what do you think about Gibson? I know we agree on this guy. Yeah, I have nothing more to add other than if you want to take a slightly positive light to it, his <laughs> his receptions per game have gone up by 0.5 from 2.7 for his career to 3.2. His yeah. yards per carry has dropped by a yard. His attempts per game have dropped by two. I would sell this guy. I would have already sold him if you could have. I did in the offseason for dynasty purposes, but for redraft, like... I would have already sold him. Yeah, McKissick is averaging, has a better yards per carry than Gibson right now, which is ridiculous a little bit. But let's move on. We got a few wide receivers, so let's try to blow through those guys relatively quickly. DJ Moore, what are we doing? Sam, what are you doing, DJ Moore? I'm the wrong guy to ask about DJ Moore. I've been so big on DJ Moore ever since he's been in the league. And this is the first time. This is a redraft show. This is a redraft show, so you can be honest for a season. (laughs) <laughs> for once yeah redraft so all my redraft we've got dj Moore. what are you talking about <laughs> but i felt great smashing that button in the third round every time but it, that that offense is just putrid on the positive side they were really trying to get dj Moore involved they were peppering him with target and i thought it was like a squeaky wheel game coming from him. this week it's different because we got pj walker likely to step in and I, if you were thinking about dropping dj Moore, i'm saying just give it one more week just give it one more week with PJ Walker. It can't be, it can't be worse than it's been with Baker Mayfield. This guy, he's played with over eight different quarterbacks since entering the league. And he, he, I mean, he's, a, I mean, he's a wide receiver one without the touchdown. That's really what he's been his whole career. He garners target. He's, he's a great player. And I mean, he he did well with PJ Walker last season. I think that's an optimistic way to spit. Like I said, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I'll always be positive. <laughs> With the DJ Moore, there's even trade rumors coming around now too. I, I played super deep league, so I understand if he's dropped in your league, I would say pick him up. Just give him one more shot with PJ Walker at least. 
And if he gets traded, wheels up for DJ Morris. But I won't lie, it's been absolutely disappointing. You, if you have him on your team, you shouldn't have been starting him. But yeah, I guess just give it one more week at least. We'll go to the Panthers fan and ask Shane, what do you think of DJ Moore? What are you doing? Yeah, I actually agree with Sam. I'm comfortable giving him more than just the one week. I think with the coaching regime change that I'm hoping that this offense has some kind of switch flipped. Even with Cody, I'm probably the only Baker Mayfield truther that's still left out there. But if PJ Walker makes this team better and makes DJ more better for fantasy, makes CMC better for fantasy, then leave PJ Walker out there for the at this point. I think long like rest of the season, DJ Moore will be fine. I'm hoping that with the coaching regime change, they'll actually get to an offense that if Baker comes back and is the starter, Baker can actually run versus whatever the Matt Rule was running. Because I don't think McAdoo, even though I don't think he's going to be a very good offensive coordinator, had much say in in play calling and trying to get Baker going and get the offense going and get that offensive line going. I'm with you, Sam. I'm holding on to DJ Moore for, let's say, three weeks because that's the earliest Baker back. I think think you guys need to go take a cold shower and just let the tears out and let it go. (laughs) At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I like DJ Moore too as a player. But the fact of the matter is he's got Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and PJ Walker as his quarterbacks on the roster. The offensive line is in shambles. Ben McAdoo's the offensive coordinator and they have a new head coach that just came in. It's in shambles. Like realistically, this isn't a dynasty conversation. This is a redraft. One year, it's over. Sell DJ Moore if you can. Like it's, I know that the quarterback play has been terrible, but you have to put some of the blame on DJ Moore too. He's got a 46% etch rate. That's abysmal. And do we think PJ yeah. Walker, who's a career 55% passer, going to go in and be more accurate than Maker Mayfield? So let, another, I mean, you that. You guys need to go take a cold shower. Let so no one sees. No one. Now you, you cry in the you shower. Tell, you tell me, <laughs> Sam, you, you tell me, Sam Darnold came back and he's starting. I'm inserting DJ Moore in every single one of my life. Honestly, that's probably yeah. what's gonna happen. I think he does come back because after I think after this week he should be coming yeah. back, and yeah. that is actually a, an upgrade for DJ Moore because we. I mean, he was a uh, yeah. I mean, he had the touchdowns early in the season. He was the locked in wide receiver one. It's him every year of his career. He's a lock for 1,100 yards. And he doesn't get the touchdowns. And at this point, if you can plug in a wide receiver like that, you're okay. But it's not, this isn't me just being biased. He, I think he is like an elite wide receiver, he has the ability to earn targets. And even with Puget Walker, he had over a 22% target share. And yeah, you can talk about the accurate or his catch rate with Baker, but didn't we just see this with Odell Beckham last year? He was a completely different player when he left Cleveland. And he never no, wanted I to be in Cleveland. That's another topic for another show, but he never wanted to be in Cleveland. Let's leave it at that. Could be chasing yeah. fool's gold, boys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. No, I don't knock anyone for even wanting to cut DJ Moore, but I would ride it out a little bit longer, but I can't blame you. It's been a terrible season, but... It's just one of those years, take a cold shower, wash it off, and then come back next season with a proper quarterback. They should be top five in the draft next year. Get yourself a quarterback and take it from there. I think it is what it is with DJ Moore, but we'll see. I do like him as a player. And if that Sam Donald comes back and is a starting quarterback, we could see him get back to not only relevancy, but minimum flex play. So we'll see. Time will tell. You got to hold. And you're like, like I said about Cam Akers, you might be holding that bag of magic beans. 
or it could turn into a beanstalk for you. I don't know. We'll see. Let's go to DJ. Sorry, Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm selling them. I'm selling Juju Smith-Schuster. I can't do it with them anymore. I'll take an L on this one because I was pretty high on them in best ball. I have pretty high exposure to them. So it is what it is. I'll take an L on that one. The 13 of the 15 touchdown passes thrown by Patrick Mahomes have two tight ends or running backs. Only two receptions have come for a touchdown from wide receivers on the Kansas City Chiefs and one was Justin Watson. So it's well, clearly not looking... I know that you yeah. probably don't know that yeah. off the top of your head, but it's Nicole Herdman. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And the reality is, like I said, we're almost a third of the way through the season. Patrick Holmes is not all of a sudden on Sunday, this Sunday, going to start peppering Juju with targets. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Like, it is what it is. We know what that offense is right now, and that is what it's going to be for the rest of the season. Extremely efficient. It's very good. You could argue it's the best Chiefs offense in the last few years, even without... Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes leads the league in passing touchdowns. So there you go. I think you could still get some name value out of him. You could throw him in some trades, add a piece added type of a thing. I think he's still got that name recognition that you might be able to get some value in a trade. I said it last week. I think the reality is we got to admit that Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm talking pretty much myself and anyone who's a believer for the season, he's just a guy. He's just a guy and he's going to land somewhere between Cole Beasley and Tyler Lockett as a player, in my opinion. And that's just what we're seeing the past couple of years. And I don't think it's changing. Sam, what do you think about Juju Smith-Schuster? The, the disrespect to Tyler Lockett, I don't put him in the same realm. I said Cole Maybe. Easley and Tyler Lockett between those yeah. two players. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, to the, I'm not saying yeah, Juju Easley is okay. Tyler Lockett. All right, all right, no. all right. Yeah. Now, he just, we've seen what he is in the last five weeks. With me, I told you before, I'm a Pittsburgh fan. So maybe that's why I was sort of biased going into draft season. I thought Juju was washed. And that that's the more concerning thing is the Chiefs offense is rolling. And why would they change anything else? Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't produced yet. Why would Kansas City want to change what they're doing when they're four and one? It's going to be a, you'd hope this could be a big bounce back game against Buffalo, but I don't really see it happening. MVS looked like the better player on Monday night. And at least with M, what was that? I was going to say, dude, Sam, I, my family is all Packers fans. I don't know what like Patrick Mahomes has done to MVS, but apparently he taught him how to catch because he's made some incredible catches this season. And I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. Speaking of that, I was actually, I was hammering MVS in a best ball. But go back to your Packers point, which I didn't think, I thought the drops, he did have that one bad drop, but it's nothing like it was in Green Bay. Yeah, that's the one thing was the pace of play and the plays for a game or night and day for what MVS had in Green Bay to Kansas City. And my whole thesis was, he's just going to get more opportunities for those deep shots. And I think at this point in their career, Mahomes is a better quarterback than Rodgers. But either way, you shouldn't elevate MVS for getting a quote-unquote quarterback upgrade. Yeah, he's played with Aaron Rodgers. He just has more opportunities in his offense. They hit the big home run play. And with Juju, you just don't have that. He's pretty much another tight end. And Travis Kelsey eats up the intermediate part of the field. So what are you getting with Juju, really? And he's at eight, exactly eight targets in four to five games. And that's, you tell me a wide receiver on the Kansas City offense getting eight targets. I'd be pretty invested into that. But I think he had a five for 89-yard game, no touchdown. I think that's a good game for him. So he's just, it's it's, it's even hard to call him a floor option because he had, what, three, I think it was three for 33. 
last game. So I don't, he's just, he has, he's on a great offense, but he doesn't have a ceiling. I'd be fine if you want to let go of Juju's, but yeah. Shane, what are you thinking? Sell, sell. We've seen that offense spread out way too much outside of Kelsey. The only consistent fantasy players for weapons have been Kelsey and H and CEH is touchdown dependent. So sell, sell. And like you said, rely on that name value, baby. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's arguably better offense than they've had in the past few years. The yeah. Mahomes doesn't feel the need to try to force it to Tyreek. And those that Tyreek was that speed guy down the field, but they took it away. Every defense is playing shell coverage on the Chiefs, just taking that away. They aren't quite doing that the same because MBS is not at, he's just as fast, but he's not as dangerous of a receiver as Tyreek. So he's allowed to do that a little more than Tyreek was. Yeah, I think that, I think that, like I said, and Sam echoed as well, is that nothing's going to change with this offense. We're a third of the way yeah. through the season. Nothing's going to change. And there's no floor to Juju. Sorry, there's no ceiling to Juju and the floor is extremely low. So. Yeah, rely on that name value, throw him in as a trade piece and get him off your roster. Last guy, and then we'll touch on two super quick, but the last guy we want to dig into is Elijah Moore from the Jets. Sam, what are you thinking about Elijah Moore? Yeah, this one's sort of tough. It looks like Elijah Moore might be the third or even maybe even fourth option if you put Brees Hall in there in that offense. And it's not, he was leading the league in routes run for a while. I think up until last week, actually. And he ended up running Lutz routes and Corey Davis. And I feel like the whole fantasy community at this point wants to make any excuse they can for Elijah Moore to happen. When Joe Flacco was throwing it 50 times a game and Elijah Moore wasn't getting it done then, we wanted to say that even though everyone knew that Elijah Moore was a lot better without Zach Wilson last season, with I, I did a couple research pieces with the whole Jets offense with Mike White, Joe Flacco, and Joe Johnson compared to Zach Wilson. Elijah Moore took a huge hit. And Corey Davis, he, he was the other way around with Zach Wilson. He was a lot better. And we're seeing that this season with Corey Davis. Even with sucks with that, at least with Joe Flacco, we had Garrett Wilson. But yeah. Zach, I mean, they told Jets off and they don't want Zach Wilson to throw it as, as much as they did with Flacco. And it happened last season. It's happening this season again. I don't know if it's that they don't trust Zach Wilson. It's hard to take away from the Miami game because they were up so big and Brees Hall was just killing it. So why wouldn't you just give, give it to Brees? But even Brees Hall, he's a bit, big fat. I mean, he's pretty much another wide receiver. You look at the air yard share isn't really a stat that we look at running backs, but Brees Hall air yard share, I mean, he's running wide receiver routes and the next closest to him is Samaj P. Ryan. And I mean, he's lapping the field in air yards because he's running wide receiver routes and I just think the Zach Wilson, it's still his second season, but I don't think he's the right quarterback for you to bank on maybe a third, fourth option with Elijah Moore, which sucks. But we got to say what it is. It goes based on the target share. It goes Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. And then last, the first game, Tyler Conklin had more yeah, targets. Yeah, Conklin, yeah. Yeah, Conklin had more targets than Elijah Moore. He did the Conklin goose egg last week, but even then, Elijah Moore couldn't get it going. He's a tough one, but I don't think you're really ever going to feel comfortable playing Elijah Moore. So I'm going to try to flip it and be optimistic here. I'm not a big, I'm in fairness to what you're saying earlier, I'm not, I was not a big Elijah Moore buyer in the offseason and in drafts and in best ball. I don't have a ton of exposure to Elijah Moore. I'm glad you mentioned the air yards for Brees Hall. That was one of the main things I brought up about two weeks ago, whatever it was, Shane, when we had the buy now or forever hold your peace. Brees Hall is the guy, one of the guys that I said, you got to buy now or else you're never going to get your hands on him. 
and that was a few weeks ago. So the air yards was a main part of that because he, he, like you said, he's lapping the field at air yards for a running back, which is pretty rare. So good to see that. But uh, with Elijah Moore, I, the biggest reason I'm buying low, I'm buying low on Elijah Moore. Number one, it's not going to cost you very much at all. If you don't get him, you don't get him. It is what it is. As far as the usage and everything like that, I don't love it. I'm not going to lie. I don't love it. But as far as red zone targets and efficiency is concerned, he has four less red zone targets than Garrett Wilson, but the same amount of red zone catches as Garrett Wilson. Less touchdowns, obviously, so he's got to get in the end zone and everything like that. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there with Elijah Moore. I think we saw it last year. And then in, in this year, it was air yards and ADOT courtesy. I get the, those stats courtesy FTN. Shout out Sam and FTN. Air yards and ADOT are looking pretty decent for Elijah Moore. So that big play potential is can be there. Another big reason I like Elijah Moore, like I said, it's not going to cost you a lot. He's going to sit on your bench and he could be a bi-week replacement throughout the bi-week portion of the season here. And then the biggest thing that I like about him is that I love that Jets playoff schedule for everyone on the Jets. That's one reason I didn't really love Breeze Hall a ton in, in redrafted or sorry, in best ball, except for the, I didn't love him, but I had to draft him because of the playoff schedule. So that's something that I like with Elijah Moore. And I wouldn't be saying this if he was in bye weeks nine or 14, where there's six bye weeks. He's in bye week 10. There's the same amount as any other week, four, four by four teams on a bye. So I'm going to go ahead and buy low and take a swing on Elijah Moore and hope that he can help me out down throughout the season. And, and you're not going to feel the pressure to start him at any point. So that's what I'm thinking about Elijah Moore. Shane, what do you think? Yeah, I, I honestly don't have much to add. I'm with you guys. I acquired more Garrett Wilson than I did Elijah Moore in the offseason because I trust Garrett Wilson more as a receiver. I, it's not to say I don't love Elijah Moore. I think he's talented. It's just what Sam said. I think where does he fit in this offense? How does he fit into this offense? Is there potential for more? Yes, but we haven't seen it yet. So I'm probably holding. I'm actually, I have him in a league and I'm trying to kind of trade him away as a throw-in piece, but that's because I have insane wide receiver depth in that league. So that's the scenario that I'm going to, I'm going to buy on, you know, as a throw-in, as just a guy that's going to sit on my bench. It's not, yeah, you don't particularly want to drop him, but you don't feel any pressure to start him at any point. But he can chip in on the bye weeks, especially weeks 9 and 14, where there's six teams on a bye. And then look at that playoff schedule and uh, hope that you get a, a, a couple flex starts in the playoffs when it really matters. So yeah. that's what I'm thinking with him. Let's touch on Jamar Chase. You want to touch on him quickly, Shane, before we get to questions. Rico Baptiste, we see your super chat, bro. I appreciate that a ton. You're going to get your uh, question answered first. So yeah, uh, just stick with us for about two minutes. Thanks, Rico. Yeah. Yeah. So I put Jamar Chase on our pre-show chat as an option for what do we do with him now as an underachiever. And the reason I did that is you probably drafted Jamar Chase as a top three wide receiver. And he's currently sitting at wide receiver 14. You're not going to like I he's a hold for me. You're not going to sell him unless you get the farm back. And in redraft, that's probably harder to do. So I'm holding him. And I think you've just got to be patient. I think, like we've talked about all show, the Bengals' offensive line should be better than it has been, but for some reason they're getting their ass handed to them. So I think as they gel because of the new personnel that they did bring in, then Burrow will have more time and Chase will have better games going forward. And it's not like he's had just stinkers. It's just he hasn't been the Jamar Chase where he goes off for three touchdowns. So I'm holding him. Sam, 30 seconds on the clock. What do you think about Jamar Chase? 
Yeah, I'm with Shane. It's five games in. He's had a great game, and then he struggled the last game. It's back to the too high deal from last season. I'm not going to go on a tangent there, but he is getting a lot more double team, and he spoke about it in a press conference. And I think having Higgins back is going to be a lot better. And yeah, yeah, I'm not counting him out yet. So yeah, I'm certainly holding Chase. I love Chase. Obviously, my Bengals fans are a little skewed, but uh, Jamar Chase is the real deal and has been double, triple covered, double covered with a shell. Usually it's pretty tough to get open and get targets when that's the case. So sure. it is what it is. That means you're one of the best wide receivers in the game when you're getting that kind of respect. So. Absolutely. You know, it's a good thing at the end of the day. Darnell Mooney, quickly, I'm loving Darnell Mooney tomorrow. And William Jackson III is out as well. And he was a starter. He was no good, but he was a starter on that uh, Washington secondary. So I think uh, we're going to see a 50-plus yard touchdown from Darnell Mooney. I got him in my captain spot in my, my single entry DFS lineup. I'm going to take a swing on that big play and uh, hope it works out for me. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I think the last two weeks have been real encouraging for Darnell Mooney. And a whole Bears, the Bears passing offense. It looks like they're finally, I don't know if it's Justin Fields with the coaching staff, but it looks like they're finally comfortable letting him air it out. And yeah, there's no one on that depth chart to compete with Mooney. Yeah, I mean, it looked bleak the first three weeks or so, but it looked somewhat fluky two weeks ago. He had that deep, deep bomb that sort of boasted his box score. But this is the second week in a row. It looks like if they're going to let Justin Fields pass it, well, I'm way more optimistic about Darnell Mooney's than the last two weeks. Yeah. I also bet the over 170 and a half yards for Justin Fields and over 42 and a half for Darnell Mooney, something like that. So yeah, I'm still out of those. And the 0.5 touchdowns for Justin Fields. So one touchdown, 180 yards, and Darnell Mooney has a big touchdown. I'm laughing. Shane, anything quick? Yeah, no, I'm buying. I agree with both of you guys. Darnell Mooney to me is one of the best route runners in the league. And as he continues to get open, I think, and Fields gets more comfortable, the coaching staff hopefully gets more comfortable with him. Darnell Mooney will continue to rise like he, we expected at the beginning of the season. That looks like it's it though, man. Yeah, Sam, appreciate you coming on. I really, really appreciate you showing up and showing out for the channel. Once again, let the people know who you are, where you're from, where they can find your stuff. Yeah, all my content throughout the week will be on FTN. I'll be doing live stream every Sunday morning with another Millie Maker 2 gun. But yeah, you can read the content and articles at FTN, Twitter at SC underscore FFB. And yeah. I can vouch for the content, can vouch for the Twitter follow. And definitely had a good week last week. So follow the DFS content. And no, he's not the clear backup. It's a timeshare regardless if a CH goes down. Thanks, Nady. Appreciate it, man. Shane, you got anything for the peeps before we go? Hit that Discord link. I was going to go through all that. Like and subscribe on our YouTube page. Follow my awesome co-host Cody at Off the Schneid. And follow me at FFShaneB. Thanks for watching Fantasy Inferno. Yeah, appreciate it. Hit that and subscribe on your way. Shane said we got some other shows. Tuesday's the Dynasty show. We've got the Start Sit. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. That's a great one to be there for. They do some DFS stuff as well if you have questions there. Join the Discord. You can find me and Shane in there. Hit us up on Twitter as well. DMs. Just at me on Discord if you want. Uh, yes, please. Me on Discord. <laughs> it's hard to see everything in there. It's pretty, pretty bump in place. Yeah, appreciate you coming on again, Sam. We'll talk to you guys next week.